live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create amazing relationships. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book, own your past, change your future, and host of the Dr. John Deloney Show is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Brittany's in Chicago. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Hi. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, so my question is actually about anxiety. Um, I just finished Baby Step 3, and I'm scared to move on to Baby Step 4 through 6, specifically Baby Step 6. Um, I'm a single mother of two, and I'm just scared that I don't have enough saved, and I'm worried about putting money where I can't easily access it. Um, so I'm just wondering if you have any advice on getting past this fear. Have you had seasons of insecurity in your past? <laughs> yes. You're a single mom. Yeah. How long have you been a single mom? <laughs> I was trying to be um, facetious. I didn't ask that too seriously. Yes, you've you've been through it before, right? Yes. Did you grow up struggling? Absolutely. I'm the daughter of a single mother as well. Okay. So think of it this way. You ever been going somewhere on your GPS on your phone and somebody puts a pin in it for you to tell you where to go? Mm -hmm. Your body has put a pin in not having enough. Mm -hmm. And it is constantly trying to solve for not having enough. And it will continue to move the finish line on you. That's why it's real important when we're doing the baby steps is that we don't go by feelings. We go by the data. Okay? You got six mm-hmm. months. What do you do for a living? Um, I work for a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, How long have you been there? Yeah. There, specifically, not too long, about a month. If you lost that job, how quick could you find a job? Um, 30, 30 five seconds? Minutes. Five minutes? <laughs> exactly. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? So here's the deal. The data tells us that within six months, you'd be fine. Within Mm -hmm. one month, you'd be fine. Your bills would be covered. You got six months to sit on, right? And so Mm -hmm. we're going to lean into, and here's the thing about anxiety, is we want to run from it, and then it spins faster on us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn and face it and walk right in the middle of it. I want you to lean into the next step on this plan, Maybe you're going to four, five, and six here. Lean yeah. into it. Go right towards it. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach our body that at one time there wasn't enough. Now there is. And when your body realizes you're driving, you're in control, you're running the show, and you've got the – you're not just flexing. You're not just like, yeah, yeah. That's, you're, you're not just some moron college kid, right? Yeah. you got six months in the bank. You've got a great job. You've got consistency. You've got fill in the blank. It goes, oh, okay, cool. She's driving. We don't have to sound the alarms anymore. Now we're good. See what I'm saying? And it's going to take a process. You're going to have to learn this over a couple of years. I'm good, right? You're going to ask yourself when that alarm kicks off, uh, what are you trying to teach me? Uh, oh, we're good. We got this one. And you're going to go, okay, good. So, Brittany, um, there's a guy named Mike Todd that has a wonderful quote. He says, um, I've never been poor. I've only been broke. Poor is a state of mind. And when you get the tapes running in your head, either from your childhood or from this time you've had starving to death as a single mom struggling, or both, 
when the tapes run in your head, uh, you can get stuck in a mental cycle that says there's never going to be enough. I'm always going to be short. And it's kind of this dark cloud hanging over you. And, and so it's kind of a thing. It's a mental exercise to uh, to change your uh, perspective from one of, oh, God, what's going to happen next to, oh, God, what's going to happen next? <laughs> you know, what good thing? You know, it's, it's an abundance thing. But that's just a decision to do that and to start practicing it is what John's talking about there. And um, then that will set you free. So uh, you, you've probably had the experience, I know I have, where I'm all spun up about something and then I actually get to looking at the detail and I go, ah, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. And by the way, this is small stuff. And so, uh, and then you, because you, you kind of pan back or you dive in, one of the two, and you see that it's going to be okay. And there's this kind of thing happens. Like, um, you know, the time your kid got lost in the grocery store? <laughs> it's happened to every one of us, right? Right. And for a minute, they're they're already trafficked and they're in the Middle East somewhere in mm-hmm. your mind, right? And your yeah. brain goes completely bonkers until they turn the corner holding the stock clerk's hand with this stupid grin on their face and you go, Oh, okay, you were just stuck in the green beans. I got it. Okay. Holding the lollipop, yeah. 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 And um yeah, now we're all okay, right? But there was a moment there that you were spun up way beyond the actual situation, fearing the worst. And that's human nature, and that's exactly what you're doing with this. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So here's the hard, hard thing about anxiety. It's a choice moving forward. And what do I mean by choice? That means I'm going to work on getting some sleep at night so that my body is at its tip-top shape. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to move my body. I'm going to have relationships with people. I'm going to do the things that are going to give my body's alarm systems. They're going to be all tuned up. And I'm going to choose to, like Dave said, my identity is no longer I'm poor. My identity is I'm enough, and I have busted it to get a six-month emergency fund. Now I'm going to start saving for house. Now we're going to start planning for college. Now I'm going to start doing retirement. I'm going to start set, planting seeds I'm for my baby family. baby steps millionaire in the making. Now we're off to the races because that's who I am. So we're going to create an identity, and we're going to work backwards from there. You got it? At it. You are incredible. You know what? The beautiful part about this whole thing is uh, you actually could, you recognized it was there. And my dad used to say that to me when I was growing up. He said, he would say, okay, uh, recognizing a problem is 90% of solving it. And the rest of it's just execution. Now you you got to go do it. Yeah. 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 He also said that about work. He said, I identified that the basement needed to be clean, so I've done most of the work now. Yeah. You go do the work. <laughs> that's, a good that's right. I well, think that was that. a trick. Of but. course it was. <laughs> I worked really hard identifying it. And, uh, go Thinking it of it's half the work. That's exactly and I've right. already done half the work, so you go do the other half. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, but that's the thing. We, we all have this stuff, and that's why we always say around here, personal finance is 80% behavior. Because if I can get this guy in the mirror, this gal in your mirror to believe again and behave in such a way that we're going to win, then guess what we end up doing? Winning. There's a self-fulfilling prophecy that's tied into every bit of this. And it's a poverty mentality, a scarcity mentality versus a wealthy person's mentality, an abundance mentality. 
and it is a series of thoughts and training that causes your brain and your body to do these things. This is The Ramsey Show. tell you a story about two families that are very much alike in a lot of ways. Both families have two working parents and a couple of young kids. Each has debt and has struggled to make ends meet, but they're starting to make headway with their budgets and smarter decisions with money. They have dreams and plans, and the only real difference is that one family has the right amount of term life insurance and the other doesn't. Big difference. If one of the parents die, and that does happen, their well-being would be destroyed. Paying for the mortgage, utilities, food, and other bills would be impossible, let alone saving for education or retirement. That's why every day I talk relentlessly about getting term life insurance. Just go to xanderinsurance.com or call 800-356-4282 and see how inexpensive it really is. Be the family that takes those deliberate steps to be different and responsible. It really does make you the hero of your story, and it puts you on course for better things ahead. talking heads about fear in the real estate market and uh, that the housing market's going to crash. It's all coming down, Dave. 2008, it's all coming down. It's the robot, coming the robots, down. The robots are taking over. <laughs> uh, but you're not hearing the truth. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can't make decisions. John talks about this all the time. Uh, when you're in the middle of fear, facts are your friends. You need facts. And here they are. In 2008, there was a huge supply of homes. As a matter of fact, 3.8 million homes on the market in 2008. You know how many houses are on the market today? 800,000. One-fourth the inventory now. One-fourth. Oh, and new housing starts in 2006-07, 2 million. Today, 1.3 million. So we don't have new housing supply. We don't have used housing supply. And uh, guess what? We got twice as many buyers twice the demand for less than half the supply we're not going to have a housing crash now prices are going are you know they're, they're going to slow down this ridiculous increase is going to stop and maybe the auction that we've been having where every house goes on the market in 85 offers come in is on the is not going to happen but it's going to slow down we are heading into a, a light recession or something very close to one or something like that where we're actually in the third quarter now so we'll just know whether q2 was a recession or not soon but um if it is a recession it's not going to be much of one i thought it was going to be and now they're saying maybe it didn't so we'll see when the numbers come out in a week or so but bottom line is the market slowed down but it is not crashing you do need if you're a buyer a good real estate agent in your corner that knows what they're doing and you do need a good real estate agent in your corner that knows what they're doing if you're a seller because they're going to explain to you your house is not going to sell in one minute or 17 minutes it's going to sell in 90 to 120 days, which is when houses have sold most of history. Just only this recent weirdness that we've been in, could you put your house up for sale and get much more than it was worth for it and get multiple offers for that? 
you and I have a friend that <laughs> what they wait thirty six hours and they freaked out and dropped the price way down for them to buy the house. Crazy. What are you doing? Crazy. After thirty six hours, you went hadn't sold, hadn't sold. Oh, drop God. the price. Drop the price. So you sellers have to have somebody talk you out of your tree, right? Yes. Because you're up in the tree chasing a cat. So you need a good real estate agent in your corner. Ramsey Trusted Agents are ELPs, endorsed local providers. They're incredible. They're high-octane, high-protein agents with proven track records. They can help you navigate this market, and you should have somebody like that in your corner. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash agent. Get a good, high-end real estate, high-quality real estate agent in your corner to buy or sell right now, and it is a good time right now to do either. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, a year ago, it was a bad time to be a buyer. Hmm. But now is actually a pretty good time to be a buyer. A year ago, it was a great time to be a seller. Now it's just a good time to be a seller. So it was good time to be a buyer, good time to be a seller. It's a weird market because you usually have to say one or the other has kind of got the advantage. Right now, it's fairly even playing field in most markets. Now, some of these markets are still heated up. Uh, they're still white hot, and some of these markets are slowing down dramatically because they got other stuff other than just national things going on. Um, some of the folks around the oil fields in Texas, um, they ain't working. Yep. Yeah, and it's, it's hurting those markets. Yeah. Hurting those markets. That, but that's a local economic thing. That they're going to dump that's in not a, affecting that's not affecting Kansas City. Yeah, but they take those local stories and they dump them in the national news and put big red ticker tape around them and say breaking news and you think your market's falling apart. Yeah, and it's not. No. You know. And I I think Dave is so important whether it's real estate, whether it's um I've been working with Dr. Norton, Lane Norton is a brilliant guy. Um you met him there in Orlando. Gave me a shirt that said data is greater than feelings. I, he's working with me on some weightlifting stuff and some nutrition stuff. I wanted to feel like I this, and he's like, dude, you got to just follow the program. Just follow this, the data, and stop. Like, yeah, but I feel like, just follow, and dude, it's working. And then the same conversation we have with people about their money, I feel like it, just follow the program. Same with renting a house. Whenever you get emotional about something, slow down and follow the data. Follow the facts, man. And if you don't have them, get somebody who's wise in your corner, and you're always going to make better decisions when you're looking at real numbers. It's just amazing how we don't do that. Matt is in New York City. Hey, Matt, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. How are you? Better than we deserve, brother. What's up? Uh, nothing much. So I'm just trying to figure out. Um, I have about $5,000 uh, to my name right now. Good for you. Um, I do. That's in a checking account. Um, I currently do not have a savings account, but I'm looking to take you know, portions of my salary and my paycheck from my job, um, you know, and put that away to start saving up money because I'm looking to get engaged in about two years. Um, and then eventually move down, get married and move down South to Florida. Um, so I'm looking to have you found her yet. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I have. Why would it take two years? What are you doing, man? Two years. (laughs) I'm only, uh, I'm only 22, but, um, you know, just looking to just looking to stay here. A bit Have you got a job? Family. Yes, I do. Right, right now. I'm How a old is she? Investigator. She's twenty-two as well. Okay. You're a private investigator. Yes, sir. So what? What? Where was the rule that said you can't get married before twenty-four? I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I was raised, I was raised with, you know. With my uh, with my father and my parents, I was raised to always ask, um, you know, 
ask your ask your father for her hand in marriage and whatnot. That don't take two um, years. I know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> her parents her parents are a bit strict. Um, She's twenty two. I mean, Who cares what her parents? They are? don't get a vote, dude. Right. Exactly. That's that's exactly that's exactly what I said to her. Yeah. Um, so I think you course, go talk they, to her dad and and uh, go and get married. That's my opinion. But what am I? What am I? I don't think you need to wait two years. It's just unhealthy. I think you need to, uh, you know, if this is the if this is the right thing, let's go ahead and go forward. If it's not, then get off the ladder. But, um, you know, if uh, if she is not mature enough at twenty two years old to live on her own as a woman, then you got other issues. Right. But if you and if you aren't. But that that's a different thing. But that's uh, no, there's no rule anyway. So all of that to say, uh, five thousand dollars to get engaged is great. I think that's a good start. We got a little bit of a beginner emergency fund. You have any debt you need to clean up? Uh, no debt at all. Does she? No, nope. Wow, you guys are y'all are in great shape then. So she has a job. You yes, have a job. Sir. You have five thousand dollars. Correct. Okay. And so uh, I. You know, is, is there something in your life that makes you a bad guy that her dad should say, "No, you can't marry her"? Uh, not a, not at all. I mean, her her dad her dad treats me like I'm his own son. Okay. Um, you know, both both of her parents do. Her both her mom you, and her dad. Do you wear sleeves uh, most of the time, or do you cut them off? <laughs> no, I wear I wear sleeves most of the time. All right, that's that's good. I'm just saying, if somebody, if a guy comes to my house to to marry my daughter, Josephine, and he's oh, cut, and a cut, and he cut shirt? sleeves off a shirt, cut shirt leaves off a shirt. Lots of that's <laughs> why I'm asking him. Is he one of those guys? Absolutely. I didn't even know what you're talking about. He got it. He knew. Oh my god! You have a <laughs> mustache? Absolutely not. Uh, slightly, slightly. That's but, the uh, problem, I, dude. You got to shave. I'm tell. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. <laughs> okay, so if the roles were reversed. And this was your daughter, and this guy that looks and acts like you came and asked for her hand. Would you grant it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know why wouldn't um, Why wouldn't she? Like, no, why wouldn't you? If you I, were her dad, and some guy comes, it's your daughter someday. This role is going to happen to you, right? And and he comes. Is he going to? Would you be happy to put her hand in this young man's hand? I would, but there would be there would be some, um, you know. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like her. I feel like her dad wants me to have a uh, have a steady, you know, have a steady job where I'm making where I'm making a, I don't know, a decent amount of money. Because right now with with the private investigation work, I'm making about eighteen fifty an hour. So go get a better job. Yeah, do both. Do that and, on the then, side. Go, and then go get the girl. Don't wait two years. That's a couple of old men talking right there. Make it happen, Matt. This is the Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. 
Scott is with us. Scott is uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with Hope City Church. The church is debt-free, we hear. Scott, tell us about this. Hey, hey, Dave, thanks for having us, man. This is awesome. We're all excited. But, yeah, the church is debt-free. We saw some light at the end of the tunnel, and we cast some vision for it. We pushed it. We got everybody on board, and, like, the church, God, did some amazing things. So, yeah, we're debt-free and can be generous as we possibly can be. Yeah, it's a whole lot easier to help people in the community when you don't have yeah. payments to the bank. That's awesome, yes, man. Congratulations. Yeah. So are you are you the pastor, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Lead pastor started the church in 2011. Wonderful. Very cool. Yep. Okay, so tell us what happened here. How much debt was there, and where did the vision come from to clear it, and how did you all do it? So in 2016, we purchased some land. We built a $4 million facility, and we it's a beautiful place. We're here. About two years ago, we saw this thing getting down to right at $2 million. You know, COVID is happening around there, but we're like, you know what? I think right now is the time to get out of debt. We cast a vision to our staff. Our staff was unified in it. Our leadership team was unified in it. And the church jumped on board. And as soon as we started casting the vision to get out of debt, to pay off this last $2 million, Dave, I can't tell you, like, we had someone give us a million-dollar gift. Whoa! We have, yeah, we had another person give us a $225,000 gift. We had some excess land that we weren't ever probably going to use. We sold that off for another 205000 So this thing really started to snowball. And then, like, I, you know, casting the vision to people who don't even come to our church. I had friends who I play some golf with. They, they would just give us, you know, a gift here and there. And it all just added up until right after Easter this year, that was our final push, and we only had to pay off like three hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. And when you're talking four million to three hundred fourteen thousand, that seems like just really nothing. And we wiped out that remaining three hundred fourteen thousand, and now we're debt free. So wow. it's it's been an amazing ride over the last year or so. Wow. Well, the fear around COVID for churches, like for businesses and for individuals, was that the that the income was going to shut down and uh, a lot of churches that we've worked with have told us that their income actually went up during covid did you all experience that yeah we did dave you know we had a couple of options that we could have gone into sort of a recluse mode or we could have taken a couple other options that really would have taken the focus off of who our provider is. And we just, we didn't go that direction. We said generosity is one of our core values. It doesn't matter what kind of season we're in. We've got to continue to be generous and God just provided and he's been faithful. And, you know, it's, it's something you've heard all over. It's nothing new, but you cannot outgive God. And, and we keep trying to do it, but we keep failing at it. And so we're just going to continue to roll in that direction. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, as, as you know, the leader and founder of that organization, you probably experienced the same thing I did. Before giving went up, There we were in the middle of this quarantine and this shutdown. And, uh, you know, you had to look at this and go, man, if we didn't have this debt, we'd be in a whole different place. 
And so mm-hmm. this is my wake-up call. That had to be part of yeah. this formula. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Really, you know, not knowing what tomorrow holds, you know, not having to pay the bank. Our our note was roughly $14,000 a month, and we're not a mega church. You know, wow. we, we have about 600 people that worship with us on a Sunday morning, so you know, one wrong move, one wrong statement, uh, it, it just could go south quick. So we were just like, let's get this thing out of debt. Let's put this $14,000 into the community to continue to truly make an impact in this community for, for the Lord. And that's just what we're doing. That's powerful. Yeah, that's $14,000 worth of help you can be to people around there yeah. that, that was just going to a stupid bank. That's so wonderful. I'm so proud go. of y'all. Well yeah. done, Pastor. Very well and, done. And Scott, I wrote this down. The antidote to fear is generosity. Mm-hmm. What yeah. if when we yeah. all got scared and nervous and anxious, we immediately didn't run to the mirror and say, what about me, what about me? But we looked around and said, who could we serve right now? I wonder what our yeah. culture would look like if we were generosity-focused when we got scared instead yeah. of inward-focused. Good for you, man. What an example. Amen. Thank you. Well, I, I predict a uh, spike in growth at your church following this uh i think your your people are going to be bolder more courageous you probably will be in the pulpit uh not that you were wimpy before yeah you can can do all the sermons now that you've been wanting to say (laughs) yeah but uh you know it's uh it does change it changes a business person the way we run our business we're more bold uh we've got a, a little more flex that we didn't have when we don't have the bank hanging around our neck, and it, does, it, it affects the pulpit. The other thing that you'll end up doing is you'll end up infecting these families with this mm-hmm. debt-free disease, and they will go yeah. on and prosper inside of your congregation. And uh, yes, so you can't help but do it. It's, you can't stop it from yes. happening because of what you've done. I'm so proud of y'all. This is such a Thank wonderful you, statement in what you've done. Congratulations. Very well Thank done. You. Yeah. Uh, any, any advice for pastors out there of thousand member and under congregations that are sitting on uh, seven figures of debt? They're sitting on a couple million dollars in debt. Any advice for them? Yeah, I think you really have to go first. You have to be the leader. You know, I, you've heard some of the gurus out there in leadership talks. They say good leaders go first. Great leaders come back and take others with them. I think this is huge for us because we can tell people now, hey, we've done this. If we've done it, we will show you how you and your family can do it as well. And so it's just, it really gives us cred, you know, credibility that we we want this for you because there is a feeling, you know, I know it's not all about feelings, but there is a freedom that you feel in your heart, your soul, and your mind when you drive into this place every day and knowing that it's paid off. You know, with your homeowners, you say the grass is always greener now that it's paid off. I remember the first day, Monday morning, coming back to this place after we had paid it off. Man, the parking lot was cleaner. The, the building was brighter. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was free. And, and every family that not only here at our church, pastors, whatever, I, I want them to be able to experience that because we weren't made to be just held down and in bondage. Yeah, beautiful. Well done, Pastor. So proud of you Thank guys. You. So uh, I understand we got a video of you whole, of your whole church congregation doing a debt-free scream, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we will cue that up. And, again, as we cue that up, congratulations. Our love to you and all of your team and our congratulations to you. We're very, very proud of you. All right. Fire that up, guys, in the booth. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. We're debt-free. 
That's how it's done, boys and girls. Woohoo! A church-wide debt-free scream. I love it. Very well done. Yeah, I love the idea of the bride of Christ not being in chains. For real, man. And I love the idea of that $14,000 a month. Now they're going to look at that and say, who are we going to bless this week? Yeah. Who are we going to bless this week? Some and single the, mom needs some help. Some hungry kid <laughs> needs help. The church can be some about the business of the thing, church, right? Which is minister loving people. Gosh. And you know what? I'm sorry, boys and girls, but that takes money. It does. Takes money, and that's fourteen thousand dollars a month, not going to some stupid bank. And if you're a stupid bank, I'm sorry, you're just a stupid bank. And if you're a church, get out of debt, man. That's so cool. Get out of debt for your people. That is so beautiful. Well done. That's incredible. Frees you up to be able to do and be who you is supposed to be. I love it. Well done, Pastor. This is the Ramsey Show. of the day, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Diane Ackerman said, I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I lived just the length of it. I want to have lived the width of it as well. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Very good. Good stuff. Joe's with us. Joe is in Chicago. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Any day talking to you is a good one. Thank you, sir. How can we help? Uh, I've got a question about what to do with a a gift that's currently sitting in a mutual fund. So uh, I'm 19 years old, and I have one year of college under my belt. And uh, due to my generous parents, a good scholarship, and a relatively cheap school, I'm cash flowing college with my on-campus job and then saving what I make in the summer. Good for you. uh, What are you studying? Uh, I am... Taking a major in business information systems, and it's a master's program as well for public accountancy. Wow, good Very for cool, you! Man. Good, good, good well, study, good field. How can we help? So, uh, when I was born, my kind and generous great aunt set aside some money for me, which uh, peaked at about three thousand dollars, but has since fallen to around twenty five hundred. Now, uh, if I was given this in cash, I wouldn't invest it because right now the goal is just to pile up cash till I graduate. But uh, when I talked to her about pulling it out, she uh, voiced some concerns about uh, about pulling it because the market's down. And uh, I was trying to balance uh, pulling it out, which I think would be a good idea. Why do you think uh, that would be a good idea? Teach. You don't need the money today. No, I don't. But if I had the money in cash, I wouldn't invest it. That's a fair uh, assumption. I don't disagree with that. Uh, if you call me and had the money in cash in your situation, I would have you pile it up just to make sure you graduate. Sounds like you've got our answers on this show dialed in. 
I'm sorry? It sounds like you listen to the show and you know how we answer questions. Yeah, I listen every day. <laughs> okay. Uh, all your all shows. Right. So, I mean, because you're, 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 you know, I'm, I'm hearing my words. So, uh, yeah. uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'm honored by that. So, you're right. Thank you. If you called me at 19 years old and you had $5,000 or $3,000 cash sitting in the middle of the table and said, I want to put it in mutual funds, I would say don't because I want you to graduate debt-free first, and you've got it mapped out where you can without using this money probably, but just in case, I would use it as an insurance policy, okay? Uh, okay. And so you're, you're right. I would do that, and um, that's what you're saying. Uh, in this case, the money is not in the middle of your kitchen table. It is already in the market, and your aunt is actually right. It's the wrong time to pull it yep. um, because, you know, with the market uh, – it went down, you know, we were technically in a bear market, probably not technically now, but whatever. It's down a bunch either way since the first of the year, and I don't think it's going to stay down throughout your college career, and you don't need the money today, so I probably would ride this thing back up. I kind of going to agree right. with your aunt here, which I usually wouldn't do. I, I, admit, <laughs> I admit that. I admit that, okay? I usually wouldn't do it. Right, or if you. you told me that I have to have this money to keep from borrowing money to go to school, I would tell you cash it out in a oh, heartbeat. Yeah, no, that's not happening. That, that would be in a heartbeat. I mean, I'm sorry the market's yeah. down. You just need the money. But, uh, but right now you have the luxury of not having to cash it out while the market's down, and that's your aunt's point, and I tend to agree with her. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, so, but I, I man, I really appreciate that you had – thought through what we were going to say yeah yeah <laughs> but my my understanding is when the market's down you cash out you're solidifying the loss and so if it goes down at some point you either got to in general cut your losses, in general you never sell or when it's it down because, right because you what we call lock in your losses right uh solidifies the word you yeah. you're locking them in you're you're promising yourself you're going to lose you're not just haven't just lost on paper now you really lost right when you cash it in while it's down so if you don't have to take it out while it's down, it's the exact wrong time to take it out. Um, but if you have to, you just have to. I mean, it's just part of the. It just sucks. But uh, but yeah, I, I you know I'm gonna ride it back up and and let it get back up in that three thousand range. Then I might cash it out. Yeah, and just as a matter of safety, and you might I might miss out on some upward returns. That seems a little backward to say that, but I'm sure that's consistent. But either way, it's just what I would do. And it's not a lot of money. It's not going to make or break your college career, probably. It's not like thirty thousand or a hundred thousand that's gone down to seventy five thousand. We're talking three grand that's gone down to twenty five hundred. That's true. We're, we're right. playing with we're playing with house money too. Well, so. And so let me let me. I have a problem with that. So if I worked and earned three thousand bucks and put it in there, and it drops five hundred bucks. I feel a psychological angst that is different than if somebody gave me 3000 bucks and it's dropped down because that's house money, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's the right way to look it's at not. it. 3000 bucks is 3000 bucks is 3000 bucks. Where no matter where it came from. That's right. That's that's I mean, my problem I got to get over. Know, and and um, the only thing you don't want to do is dishonor the giver here. Correct. But it didn't sound like the aunt was being controlling. It sounded like she was just advising. Being wise, yeah. Just advising and yeah. saying uh, I didn't sense that from him anyway. Yeah. So, interesting. Good discussion. Rich is with us. Rich is in Phoenix. Hi, Rich. How are you? Hi, Dave and John. Honored to talk to both of you. You too. How can we help? So, a quick snapshot of my situation. Um, I'm 45 years old, and uh, my wife and I have been married for about two years, just over two years, and uh, we became debt-free last year. Um, both had a little bit of 
car debt coming into our marriage and we paid it off really quickly. And, um, I've got about 111,000 sitting in a retirement account and we have our emergency fund saved up. So I'm just kind of at that point where if you were in my shoes, what would you do, Dave? <laughs> uh, you mean in the baby steps or what? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm debating on jumping right into step four, uh, with 15%. Uh, but my wife and I were talking about it that we don't want to skip over three B and I, I just don't know if there's like, so hey, you're wanting to buy a house. My, Yes, sir. Okay. And, uh, well, I mean, what if you took two years to work on Baby Step 3B and did not put money into retirement? Okay. And you built up a good down payment. What does that do to you versus putting 15% during that two years into there? How much of it, how much will that affect your, you know, your down payment? What's your household income? Uh, just over 100000 Okay. So it's a $15,000 a year swing, $30,000 right. swing on how much is in your down payment. If you put fifteen percent away, you're going to have thirty thousand less in two years, correct? Correct. In in your down payment fund. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, can we get to a good down payment doing that? And would we rather have a smaller down payment and do that, or would we rather three B's kind of optional? How much you lean into baby step four while you're doing it? We let you decide that. Uh, We suggest you don't go zero into baby step four for more than three years while you're doing your down payment saving. But uh, if you want to do partial, if one of you's got a match, sometimes people do that. Uh, like one of you's got a four percent match, so you put in four percent to get the match, and we do a partial baby step four while we're working on our down payment in three B. And then as soon as the down payment's done, boom, we're at four five six, which is fifteen percent kids college and house. So once you've done that, but while we're working on this down payment during this three year state of flux, it can be zero to fifteen percent going into four, into baby step four. Your choice. There's not a wrong answer. It's how how do you guys want to work this stuff? How much do you want to lean into it? Uh, but I would. You're asking what I would do. I would lean toward. Um, I, I I I would lean in, in in the direction of buying a house because I don't think houses are going to go down in value. And I've spent the last several weeks being criticized for saying that. But um, you know. Such is life. Um, some of my uh, predictions come out crystal clear correct, and some of them I was just wrong. So this one I'm not wrong on, though. Um, so <laughs> there's way too much data on this one. This is not just a Dave gut feeling. There's just data. So anyway, yeah, I, I'm buying a house. That's, what I, that's if, what I would do. If you're in this market, I'm going to save up as fast as I can, and I'm going to buy a house because I think they're going to go up next year 4 or 5%, and next year 4 or 5%, and the next year 4 or 5%. And that means 15%, 20% up three, four years from now. Yeah. So I would buy, you know, as quick as you can get the down payment saved and do your 15-year fixed where the payment's no more than a fourth of your take-home pay. Good job, Dr. John Deloney, Austin, Ben, Zach, Andrew, James, and Kelly in the booth. I am Dave Ramsey, your host. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Hey, it's John Deloney, co-host of The Ramsey Show. Did you know over 18 million people listen to The Ramsey Show every week? A lot of those people listen on one of our 600-plus radio stations across the country. To find a station near you, go to RamseySolutions.com slash show. 